Ready, Freddy Finley, we're on. Okay. Morning, sir. We're back. Oh, man, we're in a brilliant new, uh, we're going to call studio. this the Podcastle. I love it. Friend. we got a studio. Uh, Joseph has uh, finagled his way into having a really cool sort of garage situation, which we're going to be utilizing to the max-ish, maybe. For a band. For a new Podcastle, mm-hmm. my friends. All yeah. right, everyone's got a podcast. Fuck them, we got a Podcastle, a palace, if you will. Pod palace. Anyways, uh, so we're back and uh, happy to be back. The new year 2018 is upon us. Yeah. And, um, okay, so here's the thing. I'm not going to ask you. The, the, the dumb question is, have you ever seen a movie called Good Night and Good Luck? I know you've seen a movie called Good Night and Good Luck because you let me borrow your goddamn DVD. Yeah, I love so, Good Night and Good Luck. Yeah. It's a great movie. Okay. Great movie. One of the things, I mean, the movie is basically purportedly about Edward R. Murrow uh, going after, uh, what's his name? The uh, freaking House on American Activities. McCar- Joe McCarthy. And Joe McCarthy yeah. and that whole thing. But there's... This framing device that they use for the movie, where mm-hmm. he is, uh, it starts the movie and it ends the movie with him talking, giving a speech to broadcast. You're talking about Edward R. Murrow. Edward R. Murrow, right. Yeah. Well, the actor playing Edward R. Murrow and doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, great fucking movie. But uh, he's talking about it in this thing, in, he's framing it in this notion that was alive at this point when television was young, that television had a quality that could that, that could add to the quality of our lives. Oh, it should be it should be purposeful in, in improving the lives of citizens. Right. It should bring us the news. It yep. should educate us. It mm-hmm. should be all of these things. Bring us the arts. Exactly. That it so fucking isn't anymore. Mm. And one of the great the, there was this great generation of screenwriters who came into television and they. Sort of carried the banner for this. One of them uh, would be, of course, what's his name from uh, the Twilight Zone, Rod Serling. Rod Serling is yep. definitely one of them. Yeah. The other, one of the other greats of that time period is our subject today, mm-hmm. Mr. Paddy Chayefsky. Yes. Just a brilliant, brilliant fucking writer. Yeah. Was amazing in television. Went late, later went on in the seventies and uh, brought a crazy. You could see all of his, his dreams had died, yeah. and he brought his talents and his cynicism, his cynicism. to some great Holy movies. Holy shit, his cynicism. A couple of fucking movies that are like gems of movies. Can I, can I just... I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, yeah, go, go. You might want to... Can you tilt that mic up a little bit? Mm. We're losing you. We don't want to lose any looks piece. Oh, creak, creak, creak. No? That's that's my balls. Okay, good. We're in. <laughs> okay, right. sorry, man. I just don't want to lose any of your your, uh, your wisdom. Your uh, my wisdom. Yeah. No, and, and, and yep. he was just part of that and like Chayaski is kind of a personal hero of mine on the writing front because this guy could be funny mm-hmm. he could be dark he was always pointed like this guy yeah kind of a genius writer in his own way and that he, that he spent it in television and then and then movies later yeah. on yeah kind of a shame but but well, i don't know if that's a shame because i mean he reminds he me great. of of um sort of traditional writers of literature that span from like joseph heller Mm-hmm. To um, David Foster Wallace, yeah, and I'm going to go even further back. I'm going to go Ambrose Bierce, mm, like somebody the old like Ambie, Ambie, and, and Ambie maybe Beersman. and Mark Twain at his at his biting best, at his humorous best. Like, He's, yeah, I mean, look, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, Mark Twain is, yes, of course, his biting best. But Mark Twain was sort of writing, the, what, what differentiates to me, Patty Chayefsky, from Mark Twain is Mark Twain um, wrote great stories, and then out of great stories came great bumper stickers. And and, I, and that's not a criticism. I mean, that's a criticism. When I say about Maya, Maya Angelou, mm-hmm. I'm criticizing her. She's nothing but bumper stickers, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But, okay. but um, Mark Twain has you know really unique, awesome Mark Twain-y 
sayings, right? Right, right. So, so in a way, the, the most brilliant parts of Mark Twain are kind of reductive. I mean, they're brilliantly reductive, mm-hmm. right? Whereas um, Chayefsky has more of the David Foster Wallace um, quality in a sense that, like, he somehow gets... Well, first of all, he gets away with everything you would advise a young writer not to do somehow. <laughs> yeah. and, but he's He just absolutely so does not give a shit for the convention. Fucking good at it. Yeah. But the other thing is, like, so it's like there are narratives... Like characters who just sort of suddenly start narrating. Well, this is what happened in 1947, mm-hmm. and like a long story in an answer to a question that really is not appropriate to that particular answer. And mm-hmm. somehow, and the but, the lattice work of characters, but, but necessary to the story, and the lattice yep. work of the story, and the yeah. characters all colliding. He's he's definitely all of that. So he's a brilliant, brilliant. He's a brilliant dude. Yeah. You know, his name's not Patty. He got the name Patty Chayefsky because as a Jew in the yes. army. Um, they they told him to go on KP duty, and he claimed that he had to go to Catholic mass. And so his sergeant said, "All right, Patty." <laughs> that's how the, that. that's how the name stuck, Patty. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, I could I could I could argue a little bit more on the Mark Twain thing, but that's that's completely lots immaterial. of things to argue here. Because this is the point. Well, it's a show. It's a, I think the first show we've done about purely a writer. Yeah, a right. screenwriter. Right, and just such a good one. Such a great right. I mean, mm-hmm. I I kind of up there in terms of like that that genre of writing, which is like play slash screenwriting. Right, like with the likes of like Edward Albee, just just mm-hmm. an amazing sort of um, penchant for tension and strange character development and strange, strange dialogue that's just like weird, sort of like answers that are not real answers, but somehow, as you just pointed out a minute ago, are kind of necessary to moving the plot along. Absolutely necessary. And and his use of words, too. He kind of reminds me of, like, I don't know, like Foster Wallace and maybe Mencken a little bit in that sense. Just the use of, like, his use of words is beautiful. It's pretty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just pretty. It's, yeah. Even when he uses the word zap to say fuck. <laughs> So. Yeah, somehow he he gets around the censors in a way that's actually kind of kind of great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're so, talking about Patty Chayefsky. Patty Chayefsky, and we're going to start off by uh, we're we're, we're going to go away from the sort of classical stuff that moved uh, into so from television to movies. We're going to start off with is it 1974? 1971. 1971. 1971. Beg your pardon. Mm-hmm. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital starts off with one of those great sort of narrators um, voices. This is on this date. This happened, and then this happened, and then this sort of mishap fed into this thing that happened. There's like 17 sort of like narrative elements that are cited in that sort of like connected lattice work um, function to sort of set us up for the premise of the story. Oh yeah, and, and, and this this follows us throughout the entire story. It's almost, in a way, it's almost the structure of the story. Almost everything that happens in this movie outside of like the, the, the fundamental character development that you see yeah. uh, is a series of like, ben, like bizarre occurrences, one following, but not that bizarre. Yeah. Like, like almost like you, you, you can almost see it coming, like like one occurrence leading one minor disaster to another minor disaster to another minor disaster. And all of a sudden, you and, know who I'm thinking of? All of a sudden, hmm. must have studied Chayefsky pretty greatly is like Larry David. Okay, okay, because they're just sort of abs- small absurdities that just keep connecting and piling on each other. Right. Now, might they, they might just be Jews, but yeah, I think I'm going to go. <laughs> I think I'll go with you. Okay, sure. Okay, Absolutely. Yeah. The foreskin school of of uh, <laughs> and the lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh Joseph. Anyways, uh, negative, but uh, negative capabilities. But um, fuck, this movie is so uh, um, yeah. It's a simple. It's it's almost it's almost like it, it's got it's it's component parts around. It's kind of a sloppy movie. 
it's not it's structurally it's kind of a sloppy movie it's like no other movie you're probably going to see that maybe a coen brother movie would have this kind of a structure going for it but nobody else would have the balls to do it well these are movies that oftentimes smack of two guys sitting in a garage smoking a lot of pot Mm -hmm. and then going like wait a minute how could that possibly what if this happened right 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 right. so it's so it's a lot of that but also chayeski is he is definitely a a a social commentator i mean he's he's all about let's tear apart an institution Mm -hmm. um but start by looking at like th- an individual man or an individual couple within that institution right. and how they're falling apart. Well, I think that's what I think that's kind of his saving grace in a sense because he is, again, he is a, iconoclastic. He is attacking these institutions. Yep. He'll, he'll have more than one institution going on in the same damn movie, like in the hospital. He's got the hospital itself, right? Yep. He's got the he's got the societal structure of New York going off in the background in yes. the seventies, right? Yes. He's got that going. He's got you know med- medicine as a general concept he's going after. Yes. And all these things he's going after, the saving grace of these things are the people in it. Because he ultimately tells a story. They, I mean, he ultimately is mm-hmm. good at telling stories yeah. within this larger structure of making a point. And also, he's very careful to criticize or, or at least be sort of give a cautionary nod toward the people rebelling against the problematic system. In other words, mm-hmm. if you don't handle it responsibly, you're an asshole too. Right. Right, right, absolutely. And 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 the people rebelling against it are also yeah, they're assholes as well, Because right? they're just full of shit as mm-hmm. any new movement usually is. Right. right. Right? Yeah, they just haven't found they just haven't been found out yet. And that's that's what he's implying, <laughs> right? Well, you it's know? interesting this because this movie's Forty something, forty-seven years old, if you can believe it, mm-hmm. and so it's and so it's, it's strangely, yeah. god damn it, it's strangely such a weird vehicle of the seventies, yeah, and kind of gets past it as well. Now the second movie we're going to talk about is much more like that, yeah, for sure. But but I but I wonder. So it's like, is it that he's that prophetic? Is it that it's he he's just sort of got a Homeric or Shakespearean quality that it, it just sort of is. Um, um, you can sort of put this rubric onto anything that happens in life, or has America fallen to such shit that we make these movies so true? You don't have to be a prophet, <laughs> <laughs> right? You exactly, because I mean? he looks like a goddamn prophet. Yes, going on in here, and he and, and by the way, that's an image he uses in his movies as well. There's yeah. always a mad prophet going on in the middle of the movie somewhere, right? Well, there's that. So it's like yeah, that's another aspect of it. So it's obviously the in, <laughs> the institutions that he wants to tear down. He wants to sort of at least potentially criticize the resistors of the institution and somewhere in the middle he picks on sort of classic things like spiritual mm-hmm. you know awakening it's like what's like he's saying we're all so fucking crazy yeah that this, everything is a farce in a sense yeah and everything. it all comes yeah so it's a farce uh, with an under with an undertone of a, of a Bronze Age <laughs> belief system. In both religion. of these movies, at least one character calls what's happening a farce, and but you forget that they called it that because it becomes more farcical, including the person who called it a farce. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's really ridiculous. It, it really, uh, <laughs> and we haven't really talked about we the movie. T- we haven't touched the fucking. And thing. well, to some degree, it's like I don't. I, I want to give some things <laughs> plot lines away about this movie, and other things I do want to keep it. You know what I mean? I want right. to keep it fresh for the person who hasn't seen I, it. Let me put it this way. I think that just there's a fundamental concept going on in here, which is that there's a serial killer loose in a hospital, essentially, and it's medicine. And it's medicine. <laughs> medicine is the serial killer. You know, we, you and I have spent time at this one way or another in hospitals in the mm-hmm. last couple of years. You were yeah. in a hospital a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I'm this soon, is, soon. I'll be soon, there. Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> and then, um, you know, my mother in law's in the hospital right now, so mm-hmm. we've been visiting her. My dad was in, you know, hospital hospice right. care. And a few the years wild ago. horses. 
I was in the hospital briefly, but yeah. I'm such a man that I, I was out almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> They're um, like, oh, you're such a man, you don't have enough insurance. Go. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, um, what he doesn't necessarily do, like he criticizes, for instance, um, workers, hospital workers, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's doctors or nurses or orders or whatever it is within this really awful, crumbling, corrupt, weird, bureaucratic, you know, mm-hmm. institution called a hospital. But he leaves room for good people too. Absolutely. Well, he never says these people are bad people. They're people stuck in a situation where they're 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 fulfilling. It's the impersonal thing. I think that's really what he's going at. Well, there's a classic example in here, just to sort of jump in the middle. Oh. It's the woman who who's in charge of all the billing, and and you know it's absurd that she's leaning over people who are dying, blood pouring out of their eyes. Do you do you remember your number, sir? Do you remember your number? And yet at the same time, you kind of feel for her because that's how she what, pays her fucking rent. Well, and also, what can she do? She's yeah. stuck with a system she's trying to clean up in mm-hmm. some way or another right so 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 it's george c scott it starts off basically with the premise of there's a death in the hospital Mm -hmm. of a of a patient obviously but also a doctor george c scott is chief of the residents i guess of of residency i think something we don't know anything about not surgery but he's basically he's teaching other doctors that seems like and he's hardly doing that because he's depressed he's alcoholic he's not really showing up in life can i just stop and say can you imagine another actor pulling this role off this way i was trying to think of someone and i I did think of someone who might also be good at it but it's pretty george c scott this is really george c scott because george c scott can do my God, he's such a great actor. I think. Do you think of the range of the stuff he does? But when Sterling you Holloway, Scott- I think would be great in this role. <laughs> the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, you guys, we can't know that. <laughs> that was the worst Sterling Holloway impression you've ever heard of. <laughs> You're more of a piglet. Oh, or a Eeyore. Eeyore, yes, of oh, course. Oh, bother. That would be a great doctor in this movie. Um, would be Eeyore. But, uh, so George C. Scott, is, yeah, sorry, you were saying. He pulls it off because George C. Scott as an actor. Is he's got a great range, but if you want rage, yeah, you there's nobody delivers like him. Have you ever seen Hardcore? I've never seen Hardcore. Hardcore. He's, his daughter's a runaway, and mm-hmm. he's, he's he gets drawn into like some kind of a sex ring or something. Well, no, he she's uh, she he thinks he's in the she's in the porn industry, and it's the porn industry of the '70s, so it's like theaters and all this sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And he decides to pose as a porn producer mm-hmm. with a bad mustache and like a kerchief around his neck, <laughs> and God. finally. He's so he has to review a lot of porn, which mm-hmm. you never see the porn because it's a you know movie mm. suitable for general audiences. General. But you see him looking at porn, and all of a sudden it's clear that he's run across porn that his daughter's in, ah. and he's screaming at the projectionist, "Turn it off! Turn it off!" This <laughs> is pure. He's in a movie called Rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, anyway, but but the that hospital. Is his, <laughs> correct. That is his. That is his. That's his. His goddamn. Ecosystem, yeah, 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 like that's where he fucking is. So he, so he, you know, he's he's sort of like, um, uh, I wouldn't say complacent. He's angry at, at what the hospitals become, but his own life has become such a shambles that he's also sort of a little bit resigned to how bad it's become. Right, right. And he's getting shit on a little bit from the top, and then on top of it, you have this sort of um, secondary story where the community is picketing the hospital right. and rage mm-hmm. because um, there's a, a, a set of like slums that are going to be cleared out so the hospital can build a drug rehab a Drug center. rehab clinic. Which, by the way, it, it's almost made clear that that's kind of a, that would be a good thing for that fucking it would be. Here's my one thing with Patty mm-hmm. Chayefsky is mm-hmm. that I he doesn't do minorities well. He no. doesn't. And I'm not saying no. from a PEC 2018 position, but it's well, this certainly the, from that. But this yeah. and the other position, it's always like black and Hispanic people who are like, hey, 
man. Yeah. We got to move you out of the system and like ill-informed. And I want to say that I want to agree with you on that, but I'm yeah. not 100% sure that wasn't, that, that, that stereotype doesn't exist for a reason back in then. Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be a lot more complex as to why a community would be enraged and yet not informed. And there's right. a lot of sort of discussion to be had there. But I, I would just challenge him, were he alive, to, to go back and say, like, that could make mm -hmm. your movie that much more interesting if they were actually more interesting. That's true. And also, also well, and I'm going to go you one better. I think Chayefsky doesn't do youth real well either. In a sense, now this the story because is, he was pretty young when he was doing all this stuff. But 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 in the movie, uh, we get uh, George C. Scott's character talking about his disappointing children and kicking one of them out, kicking yeah. his son out, and it's not. Well, I'm not saying he doesn't do it well. He doesn't do it sympathetically. Well, he, now, now I want to say this without even <coughs> referencing the other movie by name, but I'm going to say this: This is 1971. The other movie comes five years later. Mm -hmm. Now. 1971, or like filmed in 1970, is a time when you can make film about middle-aged men looking at the 60s just ending. And yeah. they're cynical about it. Mm -hmm. 1976 and is a time when you are steeped in the me generation. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, so you see a difference in the way they handle things, older people looking at youth in the two films, I think. Right. And there's a lot of movies that come out of this time period that follow, that have that same thing. The older generation not knowing what to do, you know, to save the tiger. There's all these other movies that are great examples of that kind of thing Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. Nobody does it better in a sense than Chayefsky. Yeah. But he's not sympathetic, I would say. Yeah. He didn't get along with our, um, the director, Arthur Hiller. Is that right? Or the other director either. Uh, yeah, no. He I was, can see that. Well, he, look, Chayefsky died when he was 58 in 1981. So he was 48 when he did this. Right. And early 30s yeah. when he did, like, uh, another film from 1955. <laughs> if you just want to, like, make a brief mention of it. Oh, yeah. well, well, why not say well, we Let me just ask you a question here. Let me say the word, Marty. I'm going to ask you a question, Tom. All right. When are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? Your brother got married. What are you going to do? What are we going to do? What it's do you want to do today? You got to be ashamed of yourself. Oh, you got to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about 1955. All right. Marty, and then not talking about it. Maybe, I guess. Right. We're going to hold that. We're going to put keep that bullet in the chamber for some other podcast later on, I think. About an ugly, ugly man. My spirit animal. So back to the hospital. So, the, so, so there, there are all these sort of um, strange deaths and sort of mix-ups, mm -hmm. and it's, it indicts the hospital industry is the proper word for it, right? Because mm -hmm. everyone's a sort of number, not a name, and a procedure, not a name. And so people are right. easily mixed up, and doctors are overworked and greedy. Yes. That's right. Both of those things. Overworked, greedy, not as educated as they think, uh, arrogant. Like there's the, cynical. Yes. And so very cynical. Very, name. very yeah. cynical. And like hilarious. That's one, of the things that's, that's one of the things that happens. That's part of yeah. like sort of the character arc of George C. Scott's yeah. character is at the beginning, he's just angry at it all. Yeah. He just but he's not doing anything to it. fix it. No. Thing. He's not doing a thing. He's just sitting there nodding his head knowingly and being knowing. And so one of the first sort of major things that happens is he meets Diana Rigg. God, hold it's, on just a second. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, go. Okay. So Diana Rigg um, is um, the daughter uh, of a, a, a semi-disgraced um, Boston physician. Mm -hmm. A physician, a Boston physician who's basically lost his mind. Right. And become uh, a, a, a Cherokee. No. 
No, uh, no, 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 no. What's the um, tribe? Oh God, it's the Apache. Apache, yeah. uh, Apache spiritualist in a right. sense, right? Yeah. Well, he's he's down. He's hanging out with uh, with Apaches. Uh, he is being a doctor, which mm. is what he was in northern and Mexico, right? And he's also being completely out of his jets. And that's the thing. And, and it's clear to me that Chayesi is not equating Apache spiritualism with being nuts, but rather that this guy had gone nuts in several places and mm-hmm. finally found a place that was not judgmental about. His, exactly. His not sort of going along with the mainstream Western mm-hmm. sense of things. Right, right, right. In a more relaxed pace. Yeah. Maybe in a situation that for all of its magic makes more sense for people, for humans to be in. I think that's yeah. kind of where he's going with But that, he definitely is sense. out of his mind. And oh, he's, yeah. he's in something like they think a coma possibly. And so Diana Rick is his daughter, who's also kind of lost her mind. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it sort of survived um, the 60s and, and acid experiences and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it's helping her father to try to get out of the hospital, return to northern uh, Mexico. And she has with her like a, a, an Apache spiritualist. Yes. And so it's all very odd to the people there, but not nearly as odd as the established Western th- stuff that's going on, which yes. is to say that hospitals are a place where you go to be killed <laughs> by doctors. <laughs> Systematically over time passed from one, one incompetently murdered his hand to the other That's and i'm not going to try to repeat any of the speeches mm. here but the the sort of like the this is the beautiful writing of, oh, of chayeski is the way he sort of like in an almost algebraic formula like a equals b then a must equal c mm-hmm. sort of draws these conclusions these punchline conclusions mm-hmm. i mean in a way i wonder chayeski would have been a great writer for stand-ups i think in, in some ways no yeah because yeah Writing beautiful jokes. <laughs> yeah, his jokes. Awesome. Are, here's the thing: if you now and and his word is his wording is so eloquent and lovely. And if here's the thing: if you can watch this movie and not laugh just yeah. at the way he uses words yeah. and describes things, yeah. you need to go back and learn how to read again or something. Also, thing. like a, like a lot of like the best of Woody Allen, you're not necessarily laughing out loud each time. Mm-hmm. It's just a very deep internal intellectual laugh at what's happening. Right, and then every once in a while. He'll hit a neat little That's truth that'll make you laugh so out loud. Hilarious, yeah. yeah. Fuck it. This is such a funny movie. Yeah. So, so it's really just about that. I mean, I don't know. If we can tell a lot <laughs> more about like the, the the particular sort of plot elements, but just to I say, like, to, you know? there's a there's a great you know only that you know George C. Scott in the midst midst of his sort of midlife crisis, cynical rage, suicidal moments begins to sort of like. Um, Talk to Diana Rigg and, and and give his explanation of how, how much shit life is and how much he wants to leave it. And she just calls him out on his bullshit. <laughs> and he and he likes that. Like somebody has finally oh, awakened him. Psychiatrist can't do it. His mm-hmm. boss can't do it. His ex-wife's impending divorce won't do it. Right. His kids being shit won't do it. Somebody just saying, like, oh, you're obviously enjoying your sort of <laughs> melancholy, suicidal thoughts. I give oh. you advice, but you're loving it too much, buddy. And do you see him awaken to life? And here oh. comes the potential second potential second criticism I would have of Chinesky and that's that um, the same as I would have of Woody Allen is that the, the sort of like reliance or crutch on an aspect of the story being a younger woman awakening an older man mm-hmm. and that can be that can be boring and old and it can be sexist but the truth is here somehow I found it totally acceptable yeah totally a worthwhile element because she, she's also much wiser than yeah. her age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he uh, has somehow sunken to much less wise than he should be given his life's position. Right, right, absolutely. And the fact, I think there's kind of an implicit thing, like in both of the movies we're talking yeah. about, where, uh, where there's just some women, you know, womanhood, womanhood holds a certain wisdom to it. 
that's kind yeah, of maybe. inherent. I don't know. And, and that's probably, you know, that, again, sexist. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that he necessarily, he had an angle on women. I don't know if he had a grasp, you know. Yeah, well, this is a sort of, you know, it, it, the, in, the other part of this movie reminds me. I saw this movie, I mean, sorry, I saw this interview with, um, I think his name is Paxton, and he's a BBC sort of institution, uh, an interviewer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was interviewing Russell Brand. Now, Russell Brand, I got to say, is a guy that I mostly want to hate with his snaky, wakey, top hat and, and, wearing, and blah, if, blah, blah. And can I say, I, as, a, as a, I don't like his comedy. It Fair just enough. doesn't make me laugh. Having said that, mm-hmm. when he gets passionate about something, even when he sneaks in a little snaky, wakey talk, he, he's sort of impassioned, and he's clearly a smart guy. Mm. And he can be very interesting. And yeah. so Paxton was interviewing him, and what Brand had to say, you can look it up on YouTube, about democracy and voting and, and disparity between classes and all of this and leadership, I thought was really interesting, but Paxton kept pushing him. So like, so what do you want to do? If you don't have leaders or politicians, what do you want to do? Well, that's not the point. I don't know what to do. So, uh, and I think in a way, Chayesky wants to call out that aspect of the Russell Brands mm. in, this, in this movie and in others, because Chayesky wants to say... Yes, fuck this hospital and this bureaucracy and the system we've gotten into. But if you think you can just walk away from it, you're also an idiot. Right. And right. and I like that aspect. He doesn't just let one side off the hook. And more than more than an idiot, you're you are also culpable in a sense. Yeah, Robert culpable. Nice. That was very nice. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me back that up. Not nice. <laughs> very <laughs> bad. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. I spied that as a bad damn joke. It. I, here's the thing. Yep. Did final, final talk about the hospital, which is I love the hospital, and I forget how much I love the hospital between viewings. Yeah. Every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, God this in years. damn it. Fantastic. Yeah. It's got to go on my list now. It's, it's a great one. Um, can we talk about 1976? This is the one that's talked about a lot more. Scroll on to one of the classic movies. 1976's uh, Network. Network. And so here we're talking about, of course, about like William Holden and one of his handful of last films, Mm -hmm. uh, 1976, uh, Faye Dunaway, who is... At her young... um, Yeah. Kind of at... Yeah, almost at the height of her power. Between like um, Thomas Crown Affair, Mm -hmm. which is 1968 to this, 1976, were her like crowning sort of achievements. She's not only gorgeous, she's just sharp. She's fucking... Yeah, she's a diamond, man. In a weird way. She's a diamond. She's a great actress. This is a role that that gets every fucking piece of... She gets all the buffalo out of her. And it's a strong... I mean, it's a real... It's a feminist role, but it's a commentary on feminist roles at the same time. It's a weird mixture of those two things. Well, and then also... Well, the thing is, I think she went insane. I think after Barfly, she actually lost her mind. I, I've seen some stuff on it. It's just kind of, she's gone like kind of Marlena Dietrich, like um, urine in, the, in the, the mason jars, kind of insane. And I think that's the only reason to my thinking that she couldn't have been another Mer- Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. Like she's that fucking good. I think she's. I think I actually think of her in the same breath, the same br- thought breath. The old thought Mer- breath. Old thought breathing here. He's still thought breathing, folks. <laughs> that I think of Meryl Streep. I think she's. Yeah. I. I. I guess I haven't seen her on a, uh, in a movie in a while, but I would love to. I would watch a movie if I knew she was going to be in it for sure. Now, give me your thought breath on this, Tom, because <laughs> I can't remember the name of Howard Beale's Peter. Peter Finch. Peter Finch in his last role. In fact, he won the Oscar posthumously. Posthumously, yes. Yeah. Which means uh, in his posterior. 
In his old, the old posterior. All right. And then we're, to, and also, let's not forget um, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. And in a minor but fucking brilliant role, Ned Beatty. Ned Beatty. Holy God shit. Love Ned and we'll Beatty. talk about why he's so good in this. He and Robert Duvall. Yeah. But so we were talking about a, this is a time, of course, young people. This is a time when there were, essentially in real life, there were three networks. There was ABC, NBC, and CBS. Still right. around. Mm-hmm. And that's where you got your news. Right. Your boring Boring news. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> no. And it was like twice a day. Yep, twice a day. They're bringing you the news. Like this Paul is their Revere job. This brings is that, you the news. This is that holdover from the from the early birth of television, where, where this was a, it was a public service. Like the, 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 a the public service? Wait. No, it really was. News bringing you like service? No. Like, like information could, you might need? I know. Isn't that crazy? That what, is how crazy? Cray, hello. Yeah. No, but but like the, but these the early networks were heavily subsidized. In order to be that, mm-hmm. in order to be that, to be a public good, you yeah. know, and news wasn't expected. News was never expected to bring in any kind of a profit back in the good old days. No, that's a good. That's a good way of setting up the context <laughs> here. And and Patty Chayesky imagines a fourth major network, UBS, UBS. United Broadcasting System, mm-hmm. and it has this great sort of beginning. And it's like the beginning is Howard Beale. This mm-hmm. sort of the, the by voiceover again. The major, yeah, the major sort of anchor for UBS mm-hmm. nightly news. Um, has lost his mind. Yes, he's quietly com- and suddenly. <laughs> he's completely lost his mind. He is. It's a lot like Save the Tiger in that he's lost his mind, and part of, uh, and adjacent to the, the mind losing is the super steeped in nostalgia of mm-hmm. how news used to be right. in, the, in the Edward era, R. Murrow times. Right, absolutely. So he announces one night on television. He's going to kill himself. <laughs> he's going to just blow his brains <laughs> blow out. Blow my brains out just for the ratings, just it, because that's what we do now. In classic Chayesky sort of dialogue, the people in the control room don't even notice it at first. Like, did you? Did Howard say something yeah, about no, They're all himself? talking about who they're going to be fucking this weekend. <laughs> yeah. And one guy's like, one exactly. guy was, and he's like, Hey, uh, did Howard just? Uh, and then they're like, "What do you mean? Really? Let's run that back." What the? <laughs> so he's so it's like, uh oh, this guy's losing mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. and his best friend or his, one of his dearest friends is Max Schumacher, uh, a news producer, yes, uh, producer. Like former writer or anchor, but now he's played, a news producer, played by William Holden, uh, the great William Holden, beautifully because William Holden is at this point in his life, five years from his death, um, perfect. Like his even his physicality is perfect for Chayesky sort of cynicism, right? Yeah, he's well, because he's, he's craggy. He's lived the life. He's craggy. He's yeah. uh, he's, he's appropriately cynical. Yeah, oh, he thinks he, <laughs> he hates the new. He hates what the news has become almost as much as he hated that throw rug in a Santa Monica apartment five years yeah. later. Well, not quite that much, really. Big yeah. <laughs> 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 reference. Hmm. Uh, so, anyways, you know, oh, if only he, they would come up with the William Holden Memorial helmet. Oh, Tommy. Land sakes. Keep that breath Are we going to have to yourself? describe this? Uh, <laughs> to tell people what we're talking about? Well, uh, William Holden got drunk because he was a drunk and in a Santa Monica apartment. Uh, Slipped on a rug in his kitchen. And hit his head and then bled to death. <laughs> yeah. It was a sad end. Yeah, it was a sad end. But, but. They he got, made this great film. Yeah, well, but it also kept him from making shittier films afterwards. What do you so, mean? I think oh, he made great on. films. List them. What? You got uh, Fedora. Oh yeah, well no no, that's what I'm saying. He he left. He oh, got out oh, at the right oh, time. Oh, well, he did make the Earthling with Ricky Schroeder. Uh, nothing's perfect, but <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. so back to network. So right. so the premise is like, what are we going to do? This guy's gone insane. We got we have to get rid of him. We, <laughs> we have never had Jimi Hendrix duets. Let's put it that way. Jimi Hendrix's duets. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Let's, you and Rob Thompson. 
Oh no! <laughs> yeah, Jimmy lived longer. Oh, Matchbox Jimmy. Ugh. Okay, go. So, so basically, we have this problem, which is well, it's a problem and an easy solution. You got to get rid of this old guy. He's lost his mind. He's an mm-hmm. institution. But something happens, and right. what happens is he basically he talks Holden into having a rebellious moment and letting him back on the air. Just one last time. I'll say give his a little goodbye. apology. Sorry about my slip up. Whoopsie daisy. And what does he do? My bad. Once he gets back on the air, he loses his fucking shit in an amazing way. His breath bubbles are crazy. His uh, breath breathing is a head breathing thingy. Uh, but <laughs> God damn it, now it's never mind. We've lost the so thread on that. Can you commit to killing yourself on uh, this podcast? Please. I might, I might. Just swing from one of these rafters here. So so basically, it's like, what, what the fuck? And and Holden, Holden now, kind of angry at the whole institution, allows him Let to, it so, happen. To, fuck to go on. Right. So everyone's going to be fired. Right. Holden's going to be fired. Bill's going Bill's to no. be fired. But let's back up real yeah, quick. Please. Because people who have never seen this movie yeah know this scene even if only anecdotally no that doesn't happen yet is it mm, the imaz the yeah. that? no 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 it's not yet so so oh fuck you're right you know i'm always just assume i'm right yeah so Oof, well, i have something to say about that to scene say too. That. so so basically there's an easy solution let's get rid of the producer mm-hmm. um uh william holden let's get rid of howard beale right uh, Peter Finch, and um, and we'll just move on. But what happens is there is a savvy, savvy producer Super of up. of non news programs, right. of like entertainment programs, right. mm-hmm. and that of course she's played by Faye Dunaway, who sees a, sort of an opportunity here. What if we make Howard Beale? And the news, not exactly news, only partially news mm-hmm. and partially the entertainment. Bring kind it of like let's, reality let's, TV, you might say. Let's program this thing. Let's, program. Anyway, we're going to have a, let's make a show where we watch a man lose fall, his mind, lose his mind, have a, have a huge nervous breakdown. Yeah. And what are the ratings going to be like for that? And we'll allow, allow him to do it. And then maybe even like orchestrate the mm, mind losing a little bit. So it'll be called the sort of crazy reality television. Yeah, but he'll be doing the news, but he'll be doing it prophetically because that's his that's his metier. That's what he does. So this is, I mean, the thing is, like, obviously there's an ethical concern here. Well, you might not think so, but there <laughs> was, was once a time where you'd watch this film and go like, there's something, wow, there, he's satirizing the, the prospect of this happening. He's a real Orwellian uh, observation here. God, we'll never do that We'd kind of thing. Never do that. In a million fucking years. News and TV wouldn't become anything like that. No, no, no. And in fact, God, I do want to kill myself now. I want to say this. Holy shit! You mentioned um, "Good Night, Good Luck," and and that was starring and produced um, or co-starring uh, George, George Clooney. Clooney. Mm-hmm. Now, George Clooney did something interesting. He about ten years ago, this is about two thousand seven or something. He thought, I wonder, because so much has changed. In, in order to carry the, the important message of network, if I should update it. And and to be honest with you, when I heard about it, I thought, as much as I hate remakes and I love mm-hmm. network, I thought, no, you're making a case for, for mm-hmm. a remake. Like, mm-hmm. if you could do it well and, and sort of update so people understand it more. So he decided, what I'll do is I'm going to go do like a national college tour, like choose like 10 or 12 colleges, and I'm going to lecture or ask questions of the audience. But first, I'm going to show the students network. And then ask them questions. And in each and every fucking case, he showed the movie and students were like, well, I mean, it's kind of like a movie about how the news works. (laughs) 
Like they had no idea that it was satirical, right? At all? No, no. And 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 why fucking why would, would they? they? Yeah, why I kind of don't blame them. Right. You know. To, uh, so anyway, <laughs> so so Robert Duvall comes in because there's um well, he's a corporate hatchet man. He's a corporate hatchet man, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so he is uh, he's on the other end of it. Like news is a business, right? And um, what's her name? Um, Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway wants to make good business, but she also wants to revolutionize like good TV as right. she sees it, which mm-hmm. is entertaining. Life right. is like TV. Mm-hmm. And so it's really just about that. I mean, it's just really about like, what are they going to do with this sort of, imp- you know, set to implode mentally newscaster? What? Are, how is Holden going to handle it? Because he not only has some, some sort of... Um, uh, what do you call it when you're lo- loyalty? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't know that word. Obviously, I know, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> loyalty not only to the how, how the business used to be, but to Howard himself because they're a friends friend. from way back. Yeah, um, and it's and there's a, a sort of um, to sort of complicate things. Of course, there's a, a bit of a uh, an affair, mm-hmm. a relationship that begins to blossom between Faye Dunaway and okay. William Holden. Well, okay, and then just back up because this may be. The funniest sex scene in the history of it movies. Yeah. It is one of the best sex scenes in the history of movies. Yep. She uh, she uh, has no. She's a, a child of the TV. She has no access to an emotional yep. life whatsoever. So she's right. completely. She's ba- oh, she's almost not in the room yep. while they're fucking. It's great. It's one of the best sex scenes ever. It is. It, it's also interesting how uncomfortable William Holden, the actor, appears to be, and it's only, to my knowledge, actual sex scene. Mm-hmm. And then also, what's kind of interesting, a second layer. Is that the whole the whole sort of commentary is that you know she jumps on top of him and she comes first and she's like sort of detached. Mm-hmm. But if you then remove yourself from that the room you're watching the TV in, isn't that kind of been the complaint about men for ever? Oh no, absolutely <laughs> no, because that's because that's again that's part of what Kranichayevsky's going after. He's yeah. he's going um, he's going for uh, what probably isn't going to get a lot of sympathy today, but I think what he's going after is. Uh, that that uh, you know feminism the, the equation of uh, feminism and female power uh, in the society as being you know, the same as men like basically he's she's saying she's just a guy now well in a way but it, and, and it's also even more complicated by the fact that um, she is so influenced by the aforementioned sort of no access to mm-hmm. emotions which it's a, sort of a fault of the cultural institutionalization of television as reality absolutely oh my god absolutely I, now I know why my students fall asleep I just heard by <laughs> So, <laughs> and then, but then, but then, you you have sort of the the sta- a more standard uh, uh, female uh, character in there who is Holden's wife, who has roughly fifteen minutes, if that, no. of scene time. No, it's like it's one scene. It's like four minutes. Uh, yeah, well, she, she she's confronts, on a couch in one scene, and then this other scene. She confronts uh, Holden about the affair he's uh, having with, yeah. with uh, Faye Dunaway, and walks away with the best supporting actress. And at some point in the transition from uh, Beale becoming a newsman who's like a mad prophet, and then actually having like a almost like a variety show of mad prophethood that which right. is really getting insane um there is the iconic scene where um finch walks into the studio he's wearing a raincoat and he asks uh, the uh, the viewing audience to get up stand up go to your windows and shout i'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take it anymore which is the only that part got weirdly irish at the end <laughs> i'm not gonna take it anymore <laughs> fuck yeah john Britt. Which is the only 
thing in the movie that Patty Chayefsky did not like, and here's why he didn't like it: mm. because that that phrase is known to people even who don't know the movie at all. Right. And it became a bumper sticker, and it became kind of Mark Twainy back to the Mark Twainy thing right. in the sense that he's like, I don't want anyone to take like a line out of my film that you sort of like you know, jokingly say to another person, you should take my whole film and it's complexity. He was a pain in the ass. He was a pain in the ass. And at the same time, you can see a little bit of what he's talking about there because the moment it hits your bumper sticker, that means, oh, we don't have to fix it. I was mad as hell. I'm not going to take any more. can now be easily said by rednecks at a parking lot of Uh, Larry the Cable Guy concert. Right. Yeah. About black people being able to vote or something. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. They will not take it anymore. Oh, sons of bitches. Uh, There's a part of this movie that's really interesting in that it kind of, there's there's the stink of the 70s on it, which makes it a little hard to sort of translate it to modern people in a sense. For instance, okay, so Faye Dunaway in her attempt to make the news more interesting oh, and to yeah. make more programming <laughs> yeah, yeah. comes up with another reality show yeah. based on a black uh, separatist um, revolutionary group. Sort of based on the Symbionese Liberation Army who would kidnap Patty Hearst. Or the Weather Underground or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, but much more, much more obviously based on the SLA, the Symbionese Liberation Army. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that's just, that was such a, that was... I, I, I could just imagine like being uh, a millennial watching that going, well, that, I don't know, what is that? Like, they didn't, like, I don't think they know that that actually fucking happened. Yeah. Well, and also, it's like, I want to go back to the sort of like the, the, the treatment, and I mean, like, in a writerly sense, the treatment mm-hmm. of, of minority sort of um, resistors in Patty Chayesky films. So you have Irene Hobbs, uh, this sort of Afro, so like, enormous Afro, and she's like, you can shove that white, white liberal liberation up your honky ass. And it's like, Oh my God! You know. Meanwhile, hold on. Meanwhile, cut to the the great Ahmed Khan, the yes. the leader of it, shooting a forty five into the air. Said, "Give yes. her the fucking overhead clause." Yeah. So, <laughs> so such oh a man, funny... you're gonna be on TV just like Archie Bunker. What the fuck are you talking? About? We're just doing lines out of the movie. <laughs> oh now. my but God! It's a great it's a great movie, and it ends in a way that again I don't want to give away. I mean, I have to say this in in a way. Chansky has a traditionalist sort of undertone in all of the weird stuff that he does because there's always some sort of like interesting sort of like resolve. Right. Twist slash resolve. A joke that he he delivers the punchline. The punchline of the movie gets delivered at the end. And then so I guess the other thing, you mentioned like 70s stuff, Howard Beals gives this great impassioned speech that would totally, I think, be appropriate to give people today except that Howard Beale peppers things in like, People today, people just say, "Leave me alone." I want my steel-belted radial tires and my microwave oven. He mentions things that are too specific to like new mm-hmm. uh, capitalist things of the seventies, right? Um, and then, just how many hits would that fucking thing get on today's like on YouTube today? But uh, then the other thing we forgot to mention was um, uh, Ned Beatty. Who just has this great role and this great, again, speech you could isolate outside of the movie about there are no countries anymore. It's all, we are all corporations. AT&T and IBM. Mm -hmm. We are a corporatocracy globally. Right, because he wants to get this idea across to the public. He's a mad person. He's kind of mad himself. And he decides to use Howard Beale as his vehicle to get that across. So he does. And since he's the man in charge of everything. Yeah. They can't stop Howard from saying this shit, and so he starts dropping ratings. The tragedy which leads us to the end of the movie. The tragedy of both of these films, as mm. films, and especially this new one, is this: mm. is that anyone I would show it to who would be, wow, that is deep and interesting, and might be influenced by it, 
has not been ruined by the thing it's talking about. Mm-hmm. So I can't, network is a, it, well, it's the George Clooney story. There's no use my showing network or the hospital to college students. Yeah. It would just be a bore fest to them. Who's, mm-hmm. Is someone going to throw a drink in someone's face? Come on. You know, like, wh- where's the, where's the thing there's that's no, There's no chase scene. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no swirling camera work, all that fucking Michael Bay or anything like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, God, there's, there's, there, there are complex stories, complexly told, beautifully told. Yeah. And you you need to this these are movies that you you invest in oh yeah for or they're sure. meaningless but 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 uh, but because he's a great writer <coughs> they are entertaining oh yeah they definitely are entertaining absolutely and, and but they're, they're both comedies they're both dark comedies very dark and network is darkest of all network is so dark it's it's you you gotta you gotta really yeah that's that's a hard one to sell that would be a hard one to sell to a non thinking public. So enjoy everyone. Yeah. Fuck. We, we <laughs> on the lie. other hand, you really don't like things that are super entertaining if you've clicked onto this podcast at all. So no, yeah, what, yeah, there's what, your in. What are we talking about? Yeah, absolutely. If you like you're us, already, you like anything. You already enjoy boredom. All right. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't up your oxycotton uh, one more time. So you need something else to go to sleep to. I got it to ease the pain. You're like, oh, the pain in my ears. My back is better. All right. You have any uh, any business, Tommy? Fuck. I just want to say, well, well, let's just back up. Network, one of the greatest movies of all time. I Go agree. check that fucking thing out. I Go agree. check out The Hospital. Again, one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking amazing. So as far as uh, uh, business goes, go check out my website, uh, Smitty. I'm sorry, TomSmithComedy.com we're looking, uh, to find out dates and things like that. Sorry. We're, no. looking, we're looking for a little um, Patreon action. Uh, would love some more Patreon. We'd really love some Patreon A few action. subscribers here. Yeah, yeah. Please join us there. Also, uh, rate and subscribe uh, to us on iTunes. I think you meant rate and review, right? That's what I meant to that's say. Okay. That's okay. That's, you, Your you breath said. bubble wasn't clear, even to you. But mm, now but my breath. <laughs> my breath butthole. Hello. <laughs> my breath butthole. <laughs> that's as good a place as any to stop. I guess so. Hold on a second. Is there anything else? No, that's it. Yeah, please join us on Patreon. Love you. Bye-bye. Adios.